You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. I'm so glad to get to be here. I get to do two of my favorite things this week. I get to be with you and I get to preach the gospel. What a treat. In preparation for this time, I felt led to preach a three-part series on God's wisdom. With that in mind, we'll look today at God's wisdom at the start of life. And if you have a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to open to Proverbs chapter 3. And if you remember, Proverbs is just after Psalms. So if you hit Psalms, just go a little further. This is a reading from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, how could I even begin to think of preaching on your wisdom except that it should come from you and through you? Open my lips, I pray, to say what you would have me say, and open our hearts to hear and receive whatever it is that you have for each one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Recently, my husband and I have tried to cut down on the creeping influence that Netflix has over our young daughter. It's inevitable, but we're trying to curb it. So during the week, instead of watching something during dinner or after dinner, we play board games. And just a few weeks ago, we were playing Animal Bingo. My five-year-old and I were neck and neck, and my husband was calling out the animals from, uh, from a little box. And after every call, she would count how many I had gotten, or how many I had and how many she had. It was neck and neck. And as it got to the final draw, I indicated to my husband over my daughter's head, like, don't let me win. Make sure she gets the last animal. And I realized after the fact that I did what I planned I would never do. I created an impossibly positive environment for my daughter simply because I didn't want to be disappointed. And we do this all the time for our children, don't we? We pad their environment no matter what their age might be. A few years ago, there was a backlash against a practice that had become almost standard for youth in the 90s. When millennials were growing up, trophies or ribbons were awarded to every participant in an activity or a sport. Stanford psychology professor Carol Dweck expresses concern about this, that handing out participation trophies has a negative effect, creating narcissism and feelings of entitlement in adulthood. 
not to defend the fact that I threw animal bingo on behalf of my daughter, but I honestly think that the danger of narcissism and entitlement is there regardless of whether or not young adults received participation trophies as children or whether or not their mother let them win at animal bingo. Proverbs intentionally addresses the arrogance of young adulthood. Just think back to those golden years when all the radio stations were playing your music or you had all that vigor and energy. You graduated riding high on the euphoria of being at the top of your class and the top of your school amidst all your friends. The world is sunny when you're 22. But Proverbs tries to get the youth, the 22-year-old, to slow down, to recognize that you don't know what you don't know. The young can be wildly optimistic about life and about their own abilities. Proverbs seeks to provide an antidote to this blind pride. In Proverbs, we hear the older generation striving to teach the younger. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. From verse 1, perhaps the father and the mother, who is mentioned earlier in chapter 1, want their child to avoid making the same mistakes that they made when they were young. One commentator notes that each odd verse in this passage contains a command, and then each even verse contains a promise, a promise of benefit for those who keep the previous commands. Keeping these commands of the parent, which are assumed to be the commands of God, brings about an increased quantity and quality of life. The kind of righteous living advocated here gets really specific later on in Proverbs, as you might know, from chapter 10 onwards, where short, pithy sayings provide minute application of the Torah. And this practical wisdom is meant to guide the youth along the path of obedience to God and righteousness toward others. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths, from verse 6. This idea of walking along a path or going a certain way is repeated throughout the Bible, and it's emphasized even in later Jewish writings, as well as in the New Testament. Within Judaism, the oral traditions stemming from God's revelation of the law on Mount Sinai are corporately called halakha, or the way, and I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but it's the way as in this is the way to go, now you go in it, walk this way. And this teaching about the way in which to walk intends to divert the young from becoming pretentious individualists who assume that they know best, who proceed based on their own limited wisdom without relying on outside influence. Instead, the youth is called to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. What way will this young person go? What path will he or she take? Well, back to millennials, because they're still young to me. Because of recent, a recent kids movie that's set in the 1990s, our family has been having dance parties to pop music from 20 years ago. And there is this one song, a Backstreet Boys song, that I'm about to get in your head, and I apologize for it in advance. The song 
I want it that way, I want it that way, seems like a young adult anthem, I would say. It's two people in a relationship fighting over whose way it will be. Listen to the lyrics. Believe me when I say, I want it that way, is then countered by, I never want to hear you say, I want it that way. (laughs) Just a few years ago, someone online questioned the meaning of those lyrics and wondered what was going on. She received a tweet in reply from the band, but their explanation was still incomprehensible. Here's what they said. Don't want to hear you say that you want heartaches and mistakes or to be two worlds apart. We don't want you to want it that way. That's the way we want it for you to not want it that way. (laughs) Instead of wanting it that way, wanting it my way, the father in Proverbs urges his son to ignore his own selfish ways and instead to walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. We hear St. Paul using this same language in his letters. Listen, we are to look carefully how we walk, not as unwise, but as wise. We are to walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. He calls us saying, walk as children of light. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Walk in love as Christ loved us. We are to walk in a manner pleasing to the Lord, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Well, all of this call to righteous living could get us down. And indeed, very often, theologically, this amounts to the first use of the law. Walk this way. Or, as in Proverbs, do this and you will be safe. Don't do that and you will prosper. Most of the book of Proverbs operates this way, where the promise of benefit is meant to motivate the hearer to obey the command. But this motivation is still self-seeking, and it doesn't change the sinful human heart. It might spur someone on to a good action, and that would be good for the world and for other people, but it doesn't actually make a person good on the inside. Proverbs hints at the solution that is revealed more explicitly elsewhere in Scripture. But here in verse 3, we hear this urge, this command, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Most commentators assume that the steadfast love, or the hesed, here in this verse is the kind of selfless love and kindness horizontally, in helping the helpless, essentially the love for the neighbor. But the text is not explicit. Ultimately, uh, I think that this is a vertical love that we are to bind around our necks, to write on the tablets of our hearts. I would say that this is steadfast love from the source of steadfast love, who is the one whose steadfast love endures forever. Only this could possibly begin to change us from the inside out so that we do good things and that we are good on the inside as well by God's grace. I would say, too, that encountering God's love is what brings about the fear of the Lord, which is mentioned in verse 7 here in chapter 3, but also it's the theme of the whole book of Proverbs stated at the very beginning. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. One commentator observes an analogy that the fear of the Lord is to wisdom as the alphabet is to reading. Notes are to music and numbers are to math. And what is this fear of the Lord? It's all throughout the wisdom books, throughout Proverbs, Job, Ecclesiastes, as well as sprinkled throughout the Psalms. This isn't, I don't think, the kind of fear that makes someone want to turn or burn to protect their own hide. That fear can be helpful and useful. But this fear of the Lord is so much more. It involves responding with awe, humility, and love given back to God when we've received the revelation of the person of God in all of his gracious love for us, for you, and for me. And this love we find made manifest throughout Proverbs in the person of Lady Wisdom. We hear, not in our passage today, but elsewhere, Lady Wisdom clears her voice and calls out to the young passerby. And Lady Wisdom, this Lady Wisdom in Proverbs, who invites the young to come and learn from her, is also ultimately the word the wisdom of God, the word of God that John talks about in his gospel, who is the word made flesh, Jesus Christ, who is the one who calls out to us, come unto me, all ye that travail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus' yoke wipes the slate clean when we've strayed from the way through our own misplaced optimism in our own abilities. And in the refreshment that he alone offers, Jesus shows that our hope, our optimism, can only be rightly placed when it's placed in him. And God, in his wisdom, has sent to you and to me wisdom incarnate, not just so that you can hear the law again as if hearing alone will make you do it, but also so that by his love you have an advocate for you when you fail to do it. In walking the way of wisdom himself, Jesus shows us through his atoning death a love and a wisdom that our human brains cannot comprehend because it makes no sense to us. St. Paul wrote about this topsy-turvy wisdom for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. To those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. God's foolishness in coming to live and to die and to rise again for you is wiser than any human wisdom. And God extends his grace to you, especially you young ones, even when you assume that everything will be awesome because you are awesome. And so we pray, Lord, bind your steadfast love to us so that we might never forget your grace and your mercy. Give us that reverent awe of you that is the start of wisdom. And through your own Holy Spirit, would you delight to cause us 
to walk in your way. For your name and for your glory's sake, we pray. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.